we are continuing our Think Smaller series. And uh, it's all about how we turn our God-sized dreams into realities. And uh, we accomplish these God-sized dreams by not taking giant steps, by, by taking little steps, by thinking smaller. And today I want to look at, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. You've got these big dreams on your heart. You know what the direction you're supposed to go. But what do we do when all of a sudden we're walking along the path God has laid out for us and we walk into a closed door, right? Has anybody ever had a, a door that just closed in their life? You thought it was open, you thought it was the right direction, but that door closed, it was shut, it was locked, right? Anybody been there before? Uh, I know I've definitely experienced that. Uh, and when you run into a closed door, right, you might think, I'm in God's plan, this is where I'm supposed to be, and then you hit that closed door, and then all of a sudden it's just like, well, God, your plan must not be the right one, right? This must have failed. And you start to panic and you start to think this is, this is the wrong direction. I'm not going in the right direction anymore. What's happening? There's a closed door. Closed doors can make us panic. Uh, anybody in here ever done an escape room before? Yes. Love it. I love escape rooms. They're, they're one of my favorite things to do. If you've never done one before, basically here's what happens. They throw you into a room, and they lock the door, and you have one hour to get out. Doesn't that sound fun? That sounds great. Maybe some of your parents did that to you as a child, and you're just traumatized. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, man, I love escape rooms because you go in there, and they've got all these puzzles and all these clues that you've got to figure out. And uh, your goal is to figure them all out so you can find the key, you can find the code to get out of the room in one hour. And... My first escape room experience that we did, it was a lot of fun. I came in, I was excited, like, we got this, we're, we're going to do this. And we, so we jump in, and, you know, even before the timer starts, we're looking around, it's like, oh, there's a clue, there's a clue, there's something. All right, we've got a lot to work with, right? And so they, they shut the door, and we were testing out the escape room for them. They'd never really used it before. We were guinea pigs. You know, this was great. And so we, we got in there, and uh, they started the timer. We just went nuts. We were going in there, finding all these clues, figuring all this stuff out, bringing stuff together. And we got the first one together and realized, all right, that's not the lock to the door. You know, the door is still shut. How am I going to get through this thing? But it, it went and opened up another door. And then a few minutes later, we, we got some more clues, and we thought, okay, this is going to be the one. We're going to, this is 10 minutes. We're out of this thing. Nope, door's door's still locked. We still can't get out of this thing. Uh, eventually, we realized there was more and more locked doors in our way. And one point, we got to a point where we've got all these different clues and all these different random things, and we had no idea what to do with them anymore. You know, we just got frustrated. Are we ever going to get out of this room? Are we ever going to solve it? Like, that clock is ticking down, and we're never going to get through the dream of winning the escape room and holding up the sign saying, we're winners. You know, that, that was our goal, and uh, we, were, we were getting worried. Now, thankfully, like I said, we were guinea pigs, and uh, they were testing it out on us, so they didn't think that they should take our phones away from us. So I don't know if we cheated or not cheated, because they never took our phones away from us. So I pulled out my phone, and I started, like, Google searching some of these clues, trying to figure out what to do, and eventually we were able to solve it and get out of the door and get it through, and we won, like, with a minute left. So it was great. It was a fun experience. Uh, but a lot of times... We, we get to those doors and we start to panic because we think we're never going to get through them. Like we don't have the smarts, we don't have the know-how, we don't have the resources. We can't get through that closed door. We're never going to experience victory in our lives. So when we have a big dream, but there seems to be closed door after closed door, it can feel discouraging. 
in our lives. They can make us want to give up. So what do we do when we run into that closed door? What do we do when we run into that closed door on the way to the big dream? What do we do when you've got this big dream of, man, I want to I wanna reach my neighbor for Jesus? But you go over there, and the last thing they want to hear is the name of Jesus. And it just feels like a closed door gets shut in your face. Right? What do you do when God puts this big dream on your heart to, to maybe start a ministry or, or to solve a problem in this world and you realize, well, I don't have the finances to make that happen. I don't have the capabilities. I don't have the connections. And it just feels like a closed door is shut in your face. You know, what, what happens when you just felt like maybe a long time ago you felt called. You felt called into ministry. You felt called into missions. And you started taking steps along that path. But eventually somewhere along the line there was a closed door and you, you gave up and you thought, ah, this isn't, this isn't for me. This isn't what God has for me. And we hit those closed doors. So that's what we're going to be looking at today is what do we do when we hit a closed door? What do we do? So I want you to grab your Bibles and open them up to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And uh, in John chapter 6, we're going to see a door that was very much closed. Uh, and it wasn't just a single, you know, little lock that they had to get through. I mean, if, it was like the movies, you know, when you got a paranoid person. It was one of those, they've got like five locks on the doors, right? And it's not a hollow core door. This thing is a solid door. I mean, this was a door that's just like, how's this ever going to open, Jesus? This is impossible. There's no way through this door. So that's the kind of closed door that we're, we're looking at this morning in John chapter 6. So right before we, we read this, why don't we pray before we read God's word today. Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, I, I thank you that you want to speak to hearts and minds directly today. As, as we open up this passage of scripture, God, I just pray that you would change us, that you would move in us. We may have read this a hundred times, but God, may you speak something new to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. John chapter 6, starting with verse 1. It says this, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him. So this, this verse really sets the scene for what's going on here. You know, at this point in Jesus' ministry, people were following him everywhere he went. I mean, there were crowds of people constantly wanting to get to Jesus. And it makes sense. If, if everywhere Jesus went, people got healed. I mean, the, the blind saw, the, the mute spoke, uh, the lame could walk, the blind could see, all these different things. If the dead were raised, people are going to come out of everywhere because either one, they... Uh, they need healing themselves, or two, they just want to see healing happen. I don't know about you, right? But I'm looking at this text. If I were to pick, like, one healing that I wanted to see Jesus perform, uh, I don't think it would be, you know, the blind see. Because that one, okay, they, they see a world of difference. To me, you know, you still got eyeballs, and, you know, it's, I, I can't see a whole lot. Like, what I would want to see is, like, the dude with the shriveled hand, you know, that, and all of a sudden, Jesus heals it, and now, like, bones are restored, and ligaments are put there, and muscle grows back. Like, I want to see some action happen with that. So I'm following around Jesus just to see, like, hey, can you heal this sick person over here? Because this one would be way cooler than that guy over there. You know, just, I don't know, that's, that's the selfish. That's maybe what I'm thinking. But I'm wondering, the crowds are going around. They're selfish. They just want to see Jesus do the impossible. So the crowds are following him. 
because they want to see what happens next. But oftentimes, Jesus, he would try to get away from the crowds. He would almost run away from the crowds. He, he'd go to a remote place. He liked to go up on mountainsides and, and go off and pray and be alone. And so on this day, he goes up to a mountainside again. And, and I wonder, maybe he's thinking, if I do some like really rigorous physical activity, like climb a mountain, maybe people won't follow me. You know, maybe that's why he was always getting out on the mountainside, like, all right, you guys are, this is too much elevation for you to handle or something today. But today, when he goes up on the mountainside with his disciples, everybody follows. And he sits down and he looks out and it says this great crowd was coming towards him. And we're not talking about hundreds of people. We're talking about thousands of people were there waiting to hear from Jesus, waiting to see what Jesus was going to do next. So in verse 5, it says this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already... He, he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. In one line, in one sentence, Jesus put a big dream on Philip's heart. He put a big dream in the disciples' heart. Has God ever put a big dream on your heart before? Has he ever put a big dream on your heart before? You're sitting there, you see a need, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I, I wish I could do something about it. Or he, he puts just a burden on your heart and you just wish that you could make a difference. Maybe it's to put on an event. Maybe it's to meet a need. Maybe it's to reach a group of people that just seem unreached, that seem unreachable. Uh, maybe uh, you just never know what, what God might put on your heart. But has God ever put a dream on your heart that you just felt was bigger than you? Like I said in just one sentence, Jesus puts a dream on the disciples' hearts here. Where shall we buy bread? for all these people to eat? Or in other words, what if we could feed everybody who's coming here today? What if we could do that? that that's, that's a pretty cool dream. You know, this isn't the first time that Jesus has had crowds of people following him around. But this is the first time that he ever said, what if we fed everybody? It used to be every man for themselves. You know, you got to take care of yourselves. This was never a concern. This probably wasn't even a thought on the disciples' mind. But to Jesus that day, he said, what if? What if? Right? Has Jesus ever told you, whispered in your heart, what if? What if you could make a bigger difference? What, what if we could, we could make a big change? What if? So he tells that to the disciples. That was a big dream. That was a big dream. But to, to make that big dream a reality, there was a solid locked door in the way. There was no way through. You see, Philip, he looks out at the crowd. Right, and he starts examining, all right, who's all here? Maybe he starts counting a little bit. And, uh, and that day, later we read that there was 5,000 men there, you know, plus women and children. So there could have been 10,000 people, right? Maybe he pulls out his abacus and he starts doing some figuring, like, all right, we got 10,000 people, and uh, we're looking at 825 a plate, you know, maybe 450 for a kid's meal. And, uh, you know, he's doing all those things, and he, he looks at the numbers, and it's just like, Yikes. Like, Jesus, don't you, do you know what you're talking about here? And, and so he tells Jesus, in one translation it says, Jesus, eight months wages, like we could work solid for eight months and we would only have enough money, we wouldn't even have enough money for each person to have a bite, right? We're not talking Happy Meals, Jesus, we're just saying one French fry per person. And, and we can't even make that happen, that's going to be too much. 
So he looks at Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, financially speaking, this door is locked. It can't happen. This dream is too big. Jesus, this is impossible, what you're talking about. We can't do it. Now, I also want you to know, this isn't like Philip. Philip's not a glass half empty kind of guy. Philip's a glass half full. Philip's a dreamer. Philip's a believer. Philip's an early adopter. Because if you go back into John chapter 1, Jesus called Philip and he said, come follow me. And you know what Philip did? He didn't complain. He didn't say, well, I don't know. I got things to do. I've got, no, he just said, okay, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And not only that, he went and told his friend Nathaniel. He says, hey, Nathaniel, you got to come see because you know what I think, or you know what I found? We found the Messiah. Not, I think we found the Messiah. He said, no, we found the Messiah. We found the one. See, Philip was a believer. Nathaniel was sitting there like, you're joking. You can't even, this isn't true, Philip. You know, you're, you fell for another hoax, Philip. You can't do this. And, and later, Nathaniel meets Jesus, and he realizes this is the real deal. But Philip was an early adopter. Philip was, was one who saw the glass half full. And so for him to say, the door is closed, the door was pretty closed. So let me ask this. What doors have you come to that you thought would be great opportunities only to find that they were closed? Again, maybe you reached out to that, that neighbor or you reached out to the coworker and you started trying to tell them about Jesus, but instead of it falling on receptive ears, you got made fun of and they mocked you for you sharing about Jesus. Or, or maybe you wanted to go on a missions trip, right? And you had big ideas, but then you saw the price tag and you thought, I, I could never raise that money, so you gave up even before you started. Uh, you know, Aberdeen's getting more diverse all the time. There's so many different cultures coming in, and, and so maybe God's put one of those cultures on your heart, and you just thought, if only I could reach out to that group. If only I could tell them about Jesus. But I, I have no idea. How do I even get my foot in the door? How do I get my foot in the door to tell them about Jesus? Uh, this, this last week, we learned of kind of a, a big dream or maybe a, an impossible task. We're constantly asking in our community, hey, what, how can we help? How can we make a difference? How as a church can we make a difference? So we were uh, in the school district and, and asked the question, you know, what's your biggest need as a school district right now? And without hesitation, they said, transportation. Transportation. We can't get all the kids to school because not everybody has enough money to buy gas and all that. We're out of buses, ride lines full, all these different things. And I'm just looking at that. It's like, okay, there's a big dream. You know, how can we... How can we help our community? But man, that door seems locked. That door seems impossible. How could you find enough drivers? How could you find enough uh, different things? So we see these needs and, and big dreams start forming in our heart. You know, you look at South Dakota. We're, we're one of the top suicide rates in the nation. Man, God, how can we change that? How can we do something about it? How can we make an impact? How can we make a difference? Big dreams, but there's a lot of closed doors in the way. Many years ago, there was a little girl by the name of Hattie Mae Wyatt. And uh, Hattie Mae came a poor, from a poor family. She didn't have much. But one day, she decided she wanted to go to church. So she got ready one Sunday morning, and she goes out to her local church. And uh, she goes into the Sunday school area. But the Sunday school teacher turns her away and says, No, you can't come in here because all our seats are full. There's no space for you. Hattie Mae goes outside and she just sits outside the building and she begins to cry. They don't have space for me. I can't even attend church today. And after a little while, uh, the pastor walks out of the building and, and he notices this little girl crying. He goes up to her and 
says, oh, honey, you know, what's, what's going on? What's, what's wrong? Why are you crying? She said, I tried to go to Sunday school this morning, but they turned me away because there was, there was not enough space. So the pastor just kind of wrapped his arm around her and, and uh, walked her into the building, and, and he was able to move some, some things around and, and find her a seat. And, and just in a passing thought, he said, you know what? I believe someday we're going to have a big enough space that anybody who wants to come to church can come to church. We won't have to turn anyone away. Now, this passing thought to the pastor that day formed a big dream inside of Hattie Mae's heart, and that was something that stuck. The pastor probably didn't remember it the rest of that day, but to Hattie Mae, that was a, we need to buy a bigger building. We need to buy a bigger building so that everyone in our town would have a place to come to church, and we wouldn't have to turn anyone away. Talk about a big dream for such a little girl, right? How is she going to buy a new building for the church. It'd be impossible. That door was too big for her to raise that much money. So what can you do when you got a big dream, but there's a locked door? There's an impossible door in front of you that you just think, I can't do it. Well, remember, the name of the series is Think Smaller, right? When we've got something that's too big for us to handle, we need to start small. So I want you to check out in this passage, in verse 8, what happens Next, after Philip says, Jesus, the door is locked. In verse 8, it says this, Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a little boy with five small, bar- five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Let me tell you what. Andrew, he knew how to think small. And I'm sure the rest of the disciples thought, like, that's a little bit too small, Andrew. Right? I wonder if Andrew's sitting there like, hey, Jesus, guess what? I found this boy over here, and, and he's got five loaves of bread and two fish, and there's, there's 10,000 people. Never mind, Jesus. That was dumb. You know, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, forget about it. That was a silly idea. Uh, forgive me. But I want you to, to recognize this moment's important. See, if you want to make big dreams become a reality, if you want to see these locked doors open, then you need to ask yourself, this question, what do you have? What do you have? You may not have the means to get through that door yet, but what do you have now? You see, Philip, he focused on what he didn't have. I don't have eight months' wages to pay for everybody, but Andrew, he focused on what he did have. I ain't got much, but this little boy brought a sack lunch over here. It's something. It's a start. We can feed one. Maybe we can split it up. Maybe we can feed two, Jesus but it's a start. So what do you have today? What's in your hand today? What, what resources do you have available to us? You know, what time do you have on your hands? What, what, what resources do you have? What talents, what abilities do you have? What is in your hands today? Because if we want to see doors open and God-sized dreams happen and become a reality, then we need to focus on what we have rather than what we don't have. And not only that, we need to be willing to give what we have. You see, what's about to happen would never happen unless the boy was willing to give up his lunch. Would have never happened. But I want you to put yourself in that boy's shoes for a second, right? He showed up and he looks out, 10,000 people, Jesus, 12 disciples, and he was the only one who thought, I should pack a lunch. Think about that, right? He could be sitting here just like, what were you guys thinking? You came up a mountain and you didn't pack a lunch. 
Come on. I'm keeping my lunch to myself. Can't help it. You guys weren't prepared. Right? That's what he could have thought. But instead, he was willing. Okay, here you go, Andrew. I'll give it to Jesus. See, you might have a need or you might see a dream and, and think, man, somebody should do something about that. Well, it's never going to change. It's never going to happen until we're willing to give what we have. So what do you have? What are you willing to give? Are you willing to give of your time, of your status, of your resources? What do you have that you can give? The boy didn't have much, but he was willing to give it all to a cause that was bigger than himself. So are you willing to give what you have to Jesus? Are you willing to give the little that you have to Jesus? See, if we want to change the world, it starts by changing ourselves. It starts by changing ourselves. Are you willing to give it all to Jesus? Because I want you to understand this. Jesus gave it all for you. Jesus gave it all for you. See, Jesus was the only one who kind of had it all together. Jesus is the only one who, who brought his lunch. He's the only one that's got a ticket to heaven because he lived a perfect life. He did nothing wrong. He didn't allow sin to come in. But here we are, all are, and none of us has a ticket to heaven. None of us can earn our way. None of us are prepared enough to say, you know what? I've got no sin in my life. I, I, I can go in heaven. None of us. But yet Jesus says, you know what? I may be the only one who has something, so you, I'm going to sacrifice everything so that everyone has a chance, so that everyone can have this ticket to heaven, so that everyone can have a place to go. And that's when Jesus, he went and he died on the cross for our sins so that we could have a second chance, so we could have a second chance. So in the same way the little boy gave his lunch so that everybody else might have a chance to eat something, Jesus gave his everything so that we might have a chance at eternal life. Gave his everything. God gave his everything. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son. He gave up everything so that we could be full, so that we could be free. Little Hattie Mae, she didn't have much. She came from a poor family, but she had a big dream to raise enough money so the church could buy a new building so that everyone could come to church. So she decided to do what she could, to start with what she had. And she went out and she started taking on extra chores. She started running errands. And after a few weeks, she had this, this little bank in her room that she would just save up all the pennies that she would get. And after a few weeks, she had saved up 57 cents. 57 cents. 57 pennies in that little bank. Now, that wasn't much, you know, in comparison to how much it cost the building, I mean, that was basically nothing. 57 pennies as compared to buying a whole building. But at the same time, that lad's, the little boy's lunch was nothing in comparison to feeding 10,000 people. Like it was, it was minimal. It, it was impossible. But watch what happens when we take the little that we have and we give it to Jesus. Because something happens when we give the little that we have and bring it to Jesus. So watch what happens when the little boy gives his lunch to Jesus. In verse 10, verse 10, it says this. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that space, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and he distributed, to, distributed it to all those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. 
when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over from those who had eaten. How incredible was this miracle, right? Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he gives thanks and he, he breaks it and he starts passing it out to everybody. And miraculously, they never run out of food. Everybody eats to the full. It's not just one bite, not just one French fry, but everybody got to eat as much as they wanted. And, and at the end of it, not only did everybody eat to their fullest, but he had the disciples go, go pick up the, leftover, the leftovers, right? So they each had a basket. They're walking around, and every one of their baskets were full. They had 12 baskets left over. Tell you, what, you can fit a lot more than five barley loaves in one basket. How do you end up with more than what you started with? right? Jesus did an incredible miracle that day. And I believe the disciples, they learned a new formula that day. They didn't learn it in math class, but they learned it following Jesus. Here's the formula. The little that I have times Jesus equals more than enough. The little that I have, and you multiply it by Jesus, it equals more than enough. Because our God doesn't just add, he multiplies. We serve the God of multiplication. See, you may be looking at the door and you're comparing your resources right now and you're just thinking, it's impossible. Like, I can't do it. I don't have enough. I don't have enough to do that big dream that you put on my heart, God. And you know what? You're right. You don't have enough. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're not good enough. But when we bring those things to Jesus and we allow him to multiply, he not only gives us enough to get through the door, but all of a sudden we realize we're living in a bigger dream than had in our heart to begin with, right? There was leftovers. There was more that they had at the end than when that they started with, right? That's the way God works. He takes the little that we have. He takes our, our, our little things that we offer to him and he multiplies and he does great things. It says, but God chose to do the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the things that are despised. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. God takes our little things and he multiplies them. Multiplies them and he uses them to do things that are beyond our imagination. So if you're sitting here today and you just think that door is too closed, I will never walk through it. I do not have enough. You got Jesus and that's more than enough. That's more than enough. So we need to start with what we have and we need to give it to Jesus and he's going to multiply that. He's going to multiply it. Because the thing is, right, the multiplication will never happen if we hold on to it. till we surrender those things, right? If the boy holds on to his lunch that day, the 10,000 aren't fed. But it happened when he surrendered his lunch to Jesus. So what are you holding on to? What do you need to give to Jesus so that he can multiply it today? Back to Hattie Mae. After a few weeks of raising these 57 pennies, Hattie Mae got sick. And this illness tragically ended her life. She didn't make it through. And so the pastor was doing the funeral. Pastor Conwell was doing the funeral of Hattie Mae, and her parents came up to him. And they began to tell him, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but you, you said you had a dream that, that one day there would be enough space for everyone to have a seat in church so that no one would get turned away. Well, Hattie Mae took that dream seriously, and, and she's been raising money 
so that you could buy a new building. And I know it's not much, but here's the 57 pennies that she raised. And it was the first donation to the building fund of the church. It's the first donation. Well, Pastor Conwell got a hold of that. He heard the story. And, man, his heart was just burdened. He had a big dream on his heart. This little girl, uh, even though he put the dream on her heart, he inspired, or she inspired him to make that dream more of a reality. So he stood up before the congregation. He told them the story of Hattie Mae and the 57 pennies that she had raised so that everyone would have a seat in church. And uh, so they had an auction at the end, and they auctioned off these little pennies, 57 pennies. And those 57 pennies turned into $250 in that one service. But they weren't done yet. He went and continued telling that story because everybody who bought one of those pennies, they donated it back to the church. And and it just kept going and kept going. Eventually, they had raised $250,000 to build a building, which was a lot of money for around the year 1900. $250,000, a quarter of a million dollars to build a new church. See, when we come to a closed door, the best thing we can do is bring our offering to Jesus, to bring our everything to Jesus, the little that we have, and allow him to bless it and allow him to multiply it. And before you know it, that locked door can be opened. That locked door can be open, and you're living a bigger dream than you ever could have imagined. Worship team, would you come? Now, one more verse I want to point out to you here. In verse 14, this is one of my favorite verses. Verse 14, John 6, 14, it says this. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So look at this. Not only... Not only did this little boy's lunch feed 10,000 people, but because of it, many people realized that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Messiah, and their lives were never the same. See, when we trust Jesus with the little that we have, he can open any door. He can open every door, even the most difficult ones, even the ones that look like they have the most locks on them and there's, there's just no possibility. And when we trust Jesus with the little that we have, lives are changed. Lives are changed. And we can make an eternal impact. When we give the little we have to Jesus, we can make an eternal impact. See, little Hattie Mae never knew the impact on this side of heaven that her 57 pennies would have. She never knew it. Because what happened next, they, they built the building. And in the next 10 years, they added another 5,600 people to the church in 10 years. Almost 100 people for each penny that she had raised. I mean, that's incredible. It was like the first mega church almost. So many lives were changed. But not only that, not only that, uh, out of this, they were able to, to build a hospital that's still in function today. And out of this, they actually uh, was a jumpstart to what we know today as Temple University. And so here we are, a century later, and those 57 pennies are still having an eternal impact. Eternal impact, because God can take the little that we have and he multiplies it. He multiplies it and he opens big doors and he makes sure that we have more than enough. So today, what is your big dream? What's the dream that God has put on your heart? Maybe today your dream is just... I'm I'm sitting in an addiction and I need to get out of it. And my dream is just to have freedom in my life. Maybe that's your dream this morning. Maybe that's your dream.
Maybe it's, again, a problem that you're seeing in, in our world or in your community or in your home that you just think, ah, this is an issue and it needs to be resolved. And, and maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. And God's just putting a dream on your heart. Maybe that dream is to reach your neighbors, to reach your coworkers, to reach your family members. You've been praying over and over, and year after year you've been praying for that family member to come to Christ. It just feels like a locked door. Well, that's a, that's a big dream that God's put on your heart. That's a big dream. Again, maybe it's that call that God put on your life a long time ago. You ran into a closed door and you just kind of gave up on it. What big dream has God put on your heart today? Today, we're going to respond in a little bit different way, in a little special way. And, and Pastor Sterling and John, would you come help me out? We're going to take this door and, and we're going to put it right here, right at the altar. Right at the altar. And if you look in the little communion trays in front of you, the little cup holders, you'll see a little pack of sticky notes. And what I want you to do is just even right now, you can take just a couple of those sticky notes for yourself and pass them down the aisle. Make sure everybody's got a couple of sticky notes. And uh, you can share pens. And, and here's what I want us to do. I want you to write that closed door down on that sticky note. Maybe it's a big dream that God's put on your heart. Maybe it's the name of a neighbor. You can just put one dream per sticky note. If you need more, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them in here. And as we sing this next song, what I want you to do as a step of faith, as a step of faith, is I, I want you to, to step out in the aisle, you know, take the time, write it down, ask God what, what he's got going on, but I want you to take that sticky note and come up to this door. You can use either side and just put that sticky note on this door. Maybe it's two or three sticky notes. We're going to fill this door with sticky notes of, of these impossible dreams, of these locked doors that we just don't know, God, what are you going to do? God, I can't get through this. I can't handle this. So we're going to sing the song. You can just take as much time as you need to write down those closed doors in your life that you just need to see Jesus open. And we're going to come down, place them on this door. It's almost a sign of surrender saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I can't do it on my own. So Jesus, here's what I've got. And this door is going to be around for a little bit. So like on Wednesdays when we come together and we, we pray here, if you, if you don't, if you've got time, Anytime between 11 and 1 on Wednesday, I encourage you to come on out and we come and we pray together. We're going to pray over this door. We're going to pray over the needs and the closed doors. We believe that Jesus is going to do something big. If you want to come out during office hours this week, you don't have time on Wednesday, but you want to come on out and pray over this door, I encourage you to do so. And just begin to call these things out by name because we believe that God is going to break down walls. He's going to break down doors. He's going to do the impossible. I believe that today. I believe God is going to do the impossible. So as you put names on this door, as you put big dreams on this door, as you put just impossible mountains on this door, we believe that God is going to do impossible because when we take the little that we have and he multiplies it, he can open any door. He can open any door today. So what's that big dream? What's God doing in your heart? What's God doing in your heart? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Jesus, today. God, we pray you do the impossible. God, you didn't stop doing the impossible when you ascended into heaven, but now you, you choose us, you use us to do the impossible. God, we're humble. So God, I just pray that you would put some impossible dreams in our hearts today. God, that we would see needs out there that, that need to be solved, that need to be fixed, and the only answer is Jesus. 
I pray that you put names on our hearts of people that need to be reached for you. God, because the only answer is Jesus. So God, as we get up out of our seats and we walk down to this aisle and we put those sticky notes on, God, I pray that it would just be a step of faith, a step in the direction of just saying, Lord, the little I have, I give it to you today. In Jesus' name, do the impossible. Amen. Amen. Worship team's going to begin to play. I encourage you, as, as you get those sticky notes written, come on, put them up. And if you need to spend time at this altar, I encourage you to do that. So let's go after God.
that promise today. God, that you can multiply the little that we have and do the impossible. So today, God, you know the needs that are on this door. God, you know the, the doors that need to be kicked in, that need to be opened up. And God, we pray for a release this morning. God, we pray for walls to tumble down. God, we, we pray for doors to open, that you would move, that we would see the dreams that you put on our heart become a reality because we started small. We started with the little that we have and we trusted it with you. So Jesus, move in us today. Move in us today. God, we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue, God, to, to call down heaven and allow it to collide with earth here. God, that you would move in a powerful way that we'd see lives transformed, that we'd see dreams become a reality, that we'd see people healed. God, that we would see lives restored, families healed in the name of Jesus. So God, would you have your way today? We lift it up to you. Would you move in your supernatural power? In Jesus' name. encourage you today if you need to place more sticky if you got to put 10 more sticky notes on the door you can do that that's okay to bring your needs to jesus if you need to spend some time at this altar i encourage you to do that we're going to continue to pray for this door if you got time this week come on in and pray for it but we're believing god to do some of the miraculous today pray that you have a blessed week an amazing week and that you would see victory in your life in the name of jesus amen jesus, jesus.